Thanks for tuning in to the Screw Podcast with Felicia Rose and A-Love. It's been so fucking long, and we're back, bitches. Oh, hell yeah, we are. <laughs> it's great to be talking to you again. Like, it's not that so we good didn't to be talk, back. But... This, is, this is home. This feels like home. Homo. Home. Oh, it does. Wow. Actually, I just got, like, over... I mean, it could have been the vape hit I took, but I've, like, basically got a nice sense of emotional overwhelmingness when you said that, so... It must be true. We've been doing this screw for how many years now? Six, uh, seven? Wait, no. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow, we are some dedicated podcasters. Yeah. And we've done it all gratis for your listening, entertainment, amusement, um, whatever, all those words. Yeah, all those words. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're finally back. We we went away for personal reasons. Uh, life be life in. And life be life it's okay in. because that's just, we're humans. We're, we are not meant to pretend like we are okay when we're not. So I'm so glad we're back. I feel like we're opening a new page on this story. Mm. A new old page, if you will. But we're we're not going to do what we used to do anymore for the screw. Um, the last however many episodes, we kind of changed our format so that we could be a little bit more educational and exploratory. And it was fine and it was fun and I learned a lot. But at the same time, uh, I think it was we deviated too far from our original intent, which was just to be nonchalant about sex. From our so roots, I'm right? Happy from to our say roots. We're back. Yeah. What'd you say? I said we deviated too much from our roots, really, right? That's like Exactly. Like we we changed the screw to something that was unrecognizable for ourselves. Mm. And I think that's what put us in a lot in a position of feeling a lot of pressure to fulfill this mission that we never really wanted to begin with. So It's nice to come back to the table with our original idea, which is to basically be ourselves and have a little bit of a hangout. We want to be real. We don't want to be performative. Like, uh, there's too much performing in life. We don't want to read information. We don't want to just too much. If I have to do research, I'm not having fun anymore. Now, it's one thing to have a question and then be like, I want to figure out the answer to that. It's another thing to feel like we have to do homework for the podcast, right? That's not our intent. It was never our intent. It was never the goal. So I'm glad we're back to basics, essentially. Back to the basics. Back to the butt suck sex basics. Oh, wow. Back to the butt sex basics. <laughs> I love that well, like, and, like, for those of you who don't know, and if you're newly listening, like, basically, how many years ago? Uh, ugh, I don't know how old we are now, but at least 15 years ago, like, we were chilling in a class, and we were, like, realized how little people know about all sorts of stuff, but <laughs> especially uh, around human sexuality and just, like, kind of, like how to, like, find and enjoy, like, pleasurable things in your life against all odds, as it would seem most of the time. So Yeah, 17 years ago, we realized that people don't know how to tuck their thumb knuckle while fisting, right? Like, we just, 
or or to clip those nails oh god god oh god please clean underneath them before you clip them because that's so fucking important yeah i ain't trying to get like bacteria up my hole you know what i'm saying God, we don't want bacteria. There's enough bacteria. We don't need more. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and right. So, you know, we started trying to do these videos like that weren't just like informational to like us, but like hopefully like a more comfortable way. You know, like people used to ask little questions about all sorts of like stuff that some of us take for granted. And like, you know, our young asses were putting up videos without reading the licensing and <laughs> posting <laughs> agreements and getting kicked off for either swearing or smoking too much marijuana on screen, which like the world has totally changed now in terms of that. For, like, even though like, oh, yeah, there are still things that have in their policy that like explicit like drug use on camera is still like a no but you know i don't think these things are being monitored in the same way they were 17 years ago (laughs) when we couldn't we would grab a following and then boom we would disappear like you know unfortunately but yeah brooklyn bound debauchery is it's sad to to think about it but hey we still have a couple videos in the archives which is always fun to revisit we had a good time we did have a good time and you know i i was fondly remembering all the wonderful lesbians that were excited to talk to us about sex and sexual activities back in the day um and this is yeah we really were like a a lesbian uh 411 just information center which is fantastic because Neither of us are lesbians, so it just works right. in our favor. We have like a, a, a gaggle of lesbians, link. a gaggle of lesbians, and a couple of token gay boys and bi's here and there. Um, but yeah. it was kind of beautiful. So, so it was, and you know what's fun is most of those lesbians I'm still friends with. I know. Shout out to Megan, who I saw a couple weeks oh, back, back in my hometown. Little Megan, we went to we went to that fem bar, that new lesbian bar in Worcester. Oh shit! So fun. Oh what wow! A fun moment. Wow. Okay, so that actually is a perfect segue segue to one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. I came sure, I came across an interesting article um, the other day um, from Smithsonian Magazine of all interesting places, <laughs> and it was titled "The Rise and Fall of America's Lesbian Bars." Apparently, there's only 15 nightlife spaces dedicated to queer and gay women in the United States. Fifteen. Yes. Yes. What the fuck? I know. I heard that. It's really crazy. There was a lot more in the past, and they've slowly gone away. Which is why it was such a big deal that femme bar opened in Worcester because Hell yeah. it was like notably one of the, the few, uh, you know, there was, they, they basically posted about that. They were like, there's not <laughs> lesbian or queer femme specific places left. And so we need that and we need it here. And I was like, this is beautiful. And I went and the owner was fucking lovely. I did karaoke. Was the owner they queer? So was the owner happy queer? for me to do it. What was that? Was the owner queer? Yes. Oh, well, beautiful. I mean, I, I did I didn't ask her her specifics, but I believe she was a lesbian. Nice. Or a, a queer person in general. And I yeah, she was 
she was lovely and every the vibe was lovely everything was just fantastic so i was very and there might be more than one owner so I, i'm just speaking on like my sure, very sure, short sure. experience no, there awesome yeah the fembar oh awesome you got to check that out y'all if you're in the Worcester yeah it's area where the old know. dive bar used to be remember oh that? really <laughs> oh yeah yeah i do remember that um oh my god that's yeah I'll, although i will say my as much as I remember it, I probably couldn't tell you in all the world how to get there. I cannot believe it's just on it's just on Green Street. It's right up. Um, oh, okay. Kelly Square. Oh, Green Street. It, that wait, that Kelly Square is that like crazy rotary still in Kelly Square? So okay, so Polar Park was built, which is the Polar the Park. new baseball field <sighs> okay. baseball thing. Okay, and that's right down there in Kelly Square. Nice. There's all these like old industrial buildings that were turned into like breweries and all this other shit. So there's a lot going on there. So they basically had to take that shit house rotary and make it into like a three lane. It's still a rotary, but it makes a lot more sense now and okay. it's easier to navigate. It's That's still cool. a shit show, but it it is a lot easier because there's actually like lanes like painted and <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I moved to Boston or Worcester from Boston and I really thought that there was like gonna be nothing worse than Boston traffic until I got to Worcester and <laughs> tried to get through Kelly Square for the first time. <laughs> I was like, this is really just you put that cigarette in your mouth, you like downshift and you just slam that gas pedal until like you hope you make it through it was beautiful honestly exactly that i feel like the the way that i learned to be such a great driver is just figuring out how to navigate kelly square which i had to do in my first or not in my first in my driving uh test my road test i had to drive through kelly square and i was just like driving's a piece of fucking cake because i was able to do that fucking rotary with no issue <laughs> oh my god that is absolutely beautiful so um oh right so you know before i lose complete track of my thoughts so what do you think you know like what do you think is one of the reasons for this decline and like like queer and gay female like meeting spaces and social spots like is that like an, like I'd love to, I'd love to say that it's because queer women femme non-binary female presenting I'm just speaking in general terms feel welcome at other queer spaces but we know that that's not the fucking case right we absolutely know that that's not the case so maybe there are some bars that satiate that need and. And everybody can get along and hang out together, sure. Mm. But I don't know. I would love to actually know the reason behind it, if there is a reason. Because I personally think that it's been something missing, even from my own life, for the longest time. You know, I feel like most of the time I would go to gay bars. And the only women there i mean not the only there was always a few right but the only women there were not queer they were there with their gay or queer guy friends right and and or they were there to watch the drag show and and it was a bachelorette party mm. right like it just like it was very much so never really a a super femme heavy space sure, sure. and 
I always wanted that, you know, especially as like a, a young queer kid going to, to, you know, you and I would go to Providence and the queer bars there and, you yeah. know, the, the couple that Worcester had and stuff, but there was not a ton of women around. Yeah. So, and so I feel like it's been a need for a long time, but I don't know why it hasn't been something that, I don't know, maybe, maybe statistically it doesn't make sense in certain areas i just i'm not sure you know know. okay so like to that point so i'll connect i'll say something that like you know in albuquerque here like you know there's two queer bars and then like uh a queer poser nightclub and and i'll get back to the third in a minute (laughs) what i mean by that but you know, I thought about that a lot when I came across this article. Many years ago at Montreal Pride, I met this uh, lesbian sociologist, and uh, I can't remember her name, which I feel awful for, but, you know, inf- new information comes in, old information goes out these days. So, But, like, you know, there was this kind of conversation about, you know, when she did a lot of studying around the, the pink economy and, you know, the queer dollar and all this kind of like influx in the last 20 plus years of like spending around and targeting around, you know, queer folks for, you know, their, their money, their, their vacation time, their whatever. Right. And it turns Mm -hmm. out like most of that target really was almost a hundred percent targeted at queer men. Right. So lesbians weren't even a thought on some degree in the whole pink dollar formation of targeting. Which is so interesting. Just to interject, that's so interesting because isn't it statistically shown that lesbians have the most money? They do. They're better at financial planning. And I mean, obviously, this is just like kind of like based on on some of the stuff. But they and, and there's a reason for that. Right. Like if you are responsible for children or historically have been responsible for children, the idea of financial planning is always laid on the kind of woman's you know, thing to ensure that there's 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 money for the resources and the food and the care that is needed for not just herself, but the whole family, right? So there's Mm -hmm. a kind of, like, kind of historical perspective with it. But, like, more importantly, like, if you're erasing the idea of, you know, queer women from, like, your strategy... And and this is where I'll connect to the poser nightclub idea or poser queer nightclub is owned by a Republican woman, hetero cis woman who uh, has helped start the local chapter of the log cabin Republicans here in Albuquerque. And she has put all of these trans flags and like queer flags all over her nightclub that she owns. Um, without any queer co-owners, um, and and while supporting like Republican Party politics, right? God, Republican platforms like sands the whole like we hate faggots <laughs> platform. She considers herself an ally and all that jazz, but like you know, we have a huge critique about these things of like co-optification in our society and like a heterosexual person earning our queer dollars off of like just allyship that's that's not allyship (laughs) right unless you're turning around and supporting a Right. You know, a queer homeless shelter with right. that money. I don't want I, that's nonsense. This it's is oppor- nonsense. opportunism at its great. And as far as Absolutely. I know, the uh, one of the other two 
like explicitly queer bars here um, is also heterosexually owned. <laughs> so, you know, what and if, if you look around in New York City, actually, you will also see this is the case with many New York bars, which kind of puts us back to the day when like the mob owned a lot of like queer bars in New York, right? right. <laughs> These people that like have no affinity for the community socially, <laughs> but are again, more than happy to like recognize the market and, and, and take our dollars, right? And so like, I just bring this back to the idea, like if your target is constantly like, you know, excluding like, I mean, it's also just kind of bad business, but like this lesbian erasure has kind of like left this void. And, and I, and I think it's deliberate on some level because of obviously, you know, sexism, but like, you know, maybe this, this kind of like sexism has really grown into this um, blind spot. Right. Because I don't think it's because the market's not there. If you look at somebody somewhere like Albuquerque, there are a lot of lesbians here. And like you could make an argument that, yes, if you go out to the bars here, you see wonderful integration of both queer males and females and the trans community. It seems very integrated. Right. Um, Which, you know, it's a smaller city. So, okay, maybe somewhere like Albuquerque, it makes sense to have this kind of integrate integration. And on some level, you know, that's a nice thing. It feels nice. You know, you go out in New York, you don't, you know, there's lesbians that live in New York, but these bars in New York, you mostly call gay bars. There's, I, I don't believe any lesbian, there may be one lesbian bar left in the West Village. I don't remember the name of it now, but like, there used to be more. One of the first queer bars I ever went to in New York was a lesbian cowgirl bar. <laughs> so, like, I, I think it was like on Houston Street or whatever, and it was like fabulous. But like, you could also feel that there felt like a network of safe space for the women attending there. You know that, like, sure. you know, just kind of like. What are you? Are you are you here to integrate the space to hit on women <laughs> as a male? Like, or are you like kind right. of like the queer male ally to lesbians? However you want to word it, which, you know, right. I, I always say I was raised by a beautiful pack of lesbians. So that is like <laughs> my foundation. So fine. I yeah, love, so love the, the indigo the girls. That I, the fem bar that I went to, it was, you know, it, it there's nowhere that says this is a lesbian bar, right? right. There was no bi erasure happening. There's no mm-hmm. queer, you know, there, there was plenty of non-binary and trans people there. There were also straight men there. Mm-hmm. There was a few straight men there that were confused. Okay. that didn't understand that it was actually a queer bar. Um, uh. That was interesting. They, I remember Megan walked up to order a drink and one guy turns to her and said, you know, nobody's nobody's talking to us here. And, I, and she was like, and I don't think that's going to happen, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Like, there are these two, they stuck out like sore thumbs. Like, they, they just didn't get the memo, I think. And not that there there were pussies all over the walls. I don't understand how they didn't understand. But, um, but then, like, I had two of my straight guy friends with me. And they were doing karaoke and everybody was like getting into it. You know, like there was absolutely no, 
you know, you can't come in if you're a fucking dude or if you're not a lesbian specifically or, you know, there's none of that at all, which was awesome because it really did make for a dynamic space. But most of the people there were of some queer flavor, femme, non-binary women, you know, under that umbrella, if you will. So like it was it was definitely a cool vibe because there wasn't any specific mm. rules, if you will. But at the same time, it was a safe space and you could tell that it was that. So it was really cool. I really, really liked the vibe in there. I was very impressed. Oh, you that's know? awesome. It's 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 so perfect when you can walk into a place and feel just like okay, this place I can feel comfortable in, I can feel welcomed in, I can feel, be myself in. Like, it's it's like no other feeling, really. Absolutely, absolutely. So the last thing I want to mention about this, this whole, you know, idea of, of diminishing, you know, queer spaces for women is um, there are two people, Erica Rose and Alina Street, who have launched um, the Lesbian Bar Project. Um, so if you have some money and are looking to help, they're looking to, especially post-COVID, um, help the remaining lesbian bars stay open and hopefully incentivize more people to open them. Because, you know, even Roxanne Gay uh, was quoted saying, you know, like, I don't understand why this is happening. These are huge cities. It's not like there are less lesbians, <laughs> you know? So, right. you know, and I think it looks like COVID definitely, like, fueled a lot of like other closures as it did for a lot of other you know businesses but um this is an interesting project check it out it's just called the lesbian bar project and um you know if you're curious about what they're doing and want to support them go for it fuck yeah oh yeah (laughs) so are we gonna open a queer bar like what's good (sighs) I know. I honestly, my my concern somewhere like even Albuquerque, if we open a lesbian bar, it would drain all the business from the other bars. <laughs> but I love you know, like and and that's kind of the thing, you know. Maybe that's the way we need to think in the community. Let's stop opening gay or lesbian or trans bars. Like let's open bars where it's understood that this is where the community intersects, socializes, strategizes. Um, organizes, you know, I think. I do think that that's sort of the intent of a lot of the the queer bars that are the newer ones, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily these older ones that are still going strong, having like dude orgies in the bathroom and shit. But like, <laughs> you mean I like do the eagle? That, <laughs> yeah, you knew exactly what I meant. But I do, <laughs> I do think that, um, I do think that. There is a difference between a bar that, I don't know, guys have a lot of space out there already, right? Like, we, we, I think it would be cool. I, I do agree with you because there is an exclusionary factor once we get into splitting hairs about lesbian versus this versus that. But I do think that it is cool to see a place be successful with you know, feminine energy inside of it. I love that idea. So I do, I do agree that there is a a need for just more understandably queer spaces and ones that aren't just packed with guys, honestly, but at the same time, I, I, 
Well, I would love to. I, yeah, we're we're opening. A well, let's bar. let's be real. Like, and not just places where the primary focus is like drinking. You know, like part of the thing is is like you know, and I'm always looking at you know, the community and where our our stress points are, you know, a lot of the spaces that we have like traditionally and historically had to gather around do tend to be like centered around like a night nightlife idea, which is great, you know, but maybe it's time for us to like reimagine like more diverse spaces for us to socialize and come together in, you know, not just gastro pubs and or whatever, but like a space that has a multifunction purpose, you know, like bars that do, you know, function as community centers, as resources, as, you know, uh, that have nights that do like support and host like, you know, a, 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 queer woman's night versus a queer men's night. So like that kind of like solidarity and community building can happen too. And like safe space can be imagined, you know? So, I mean, of course (laughs) I'm always up for having drinks available, but like, you know, super loud music throughout the whole establishment doesn't actually even cultivate socializing. Right. You know, it's fun to dance and whatever, but maybe some of these spaces can have more multifaceted rooms, (laughs) you know, maybe there's a quiet, quiet bar cafe like corner where people can like talk and get to know each other better and then like hit the dance floor, you know? I don't know. That's fun. Okay, don't give everybody our bar ideas. Oh, you're right. Oh, see, my husband's always accusing me. He's like, you just give out those ideas, like, for free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I patented this idea right here on the air. <laughs> so, yeah, well, especially because we don't have the money to actually do that. Yeah. Like, we have to be careful with giving away our ideas. Good so it's not point. like we're opening the shit soon. <laughs> Good point. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think, you know, these are the kind of, productive conversations i would love to see like you know we're we're in tough times economically like a lot of personal stress and isolation especially since covid has hit the community hard (laughs) you know and like very relatable to many people so you know when we come back together let's not imagine more isolated space let's imagine more integrated space you know Agreed. Agreed. I do. I, my preference personally is to be around everybody, right? right totally. Just, I think it's fun that way, but I also understand why people, especially because if, you, again, if you look at most, let's just call it gay bars, you're going to walk in and it's going to be so many men and mm. you are going to to potentially not want to be in that entire sea of men with like three ladies in the corner talking amongst them so you know what i yeah, mean yeah, like yeah. i just think that it's the you know the if the environment doesn't feel inclusive it won't be inclusive you know right 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 totally yeah and i mean i think there's a lot of conversations <laughs> still to be had about that you know but i i do you know, think it's a prime, prime opportunity, you know, for us to do that. I think a lot of people have thought about and had to experience like isolation during these times. And like, I don't think most people enjoyed it that much. <laughs> I think it's kind of like, you know, shed those, those hardliners who are like, I prefer to be alone. Well, 
I don't think we realize how not alone we are most of the time until we're really alone, you know, and Very true. I think COVID Agreed. gave a test of that. So, okay. So do what you can to help support. If you got some extra money and go open a nice, uh, see, you know, <sighs> Do I want to be politically correct? But we always just called them dike bars. Like they were like, like the dikes on bikes. I remember when they like started becoming politicized at pride parades. Like we got to like allow that we're able to talk about our community the way we want to talk to with the language we want to use. Yeah. I have no, fuck, fuck that. That falls into respectability politics for me, Amen. you know? If you're listening and something feels jarring, it's because you're not a part of our community. And uh-huh. that's all that there is to it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's like, I'll, there's a lot of like gatekeeping conversations I've been noticing going on lately. And like, you know, I am all for us coming together to make sure that we're respectful of each other. But, you know, when I see. <laughs> Some trans people, like, gatekeeping other trans people about what language they're allowed to use to describe their experience. And, like, you know, and I get it. A lot of times there's a lot of things politically at stake when we're, like, trying to find the right language to describe situations. But that's usually pertaining to the outside world, (laughs) you know? And and we're all allowed to represent our understanding of our (laughs) own identity ourselves. <laughs> like absolutely. We absolutely Greetings Goofy. I'm Camrayin Elin Maharet Jarrell, aka Transnito, BKA Tranos. Say it with your whole chest, or I'll seduce your dad and biopeg him at the family get together. Try me. I'm the host of Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast about current events, comedy, and calamity. Everywhere podcasts can be streamed, Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that force feeds you clam strips in a White Castle parking lot. Um, I know you're familiar with Lucha Libre a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) um, I wanted to, like, you know, just kind of pick your brain. So have you ever heard of Cassandro El Exotico? The the kind of like the exotico being like the kind of queers that are wrestling wrestling in lucha libre historically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so uh interestingly enough, I watched this like documentary about Cassandro a while ago and the person who did Yeah, it, I participated in the Cassandro Cup last year. You yes, participated yes, yes. in the Cassandro Cup last year. I'm sorry. Cassandro was not there, but it's just the name of it. It's just like a paying homage kind of thing. But oh, yeah, that's so beautiful. Right. So <laughs> so we saw the documentary, and then the person who did the documentary recently did um, a film with Amazon. I think it's an Amazon original or something to that effect, and Bad Bunny's in it. Um, like a like very brief small part, but like he's like second billing. Go figure. He's barely in the film, but <laughs> that's marketing for you. Um, and so this guy created like kind of like a more like fictional scripted version of of his his documentary with um Gabrielle Ga- Garcia in it, um, playing Cassandro, and he does a wonderful job in the performance. He definitely transforms the way he looks in it, and, like, you know, you definitely feel not an offensive flamboyance to him. He actually understates the role really nicely, I have to say, in terms of, like, portraying the character. Um, But for those of you who don't know, there's a very out... uh, 
Lucha Libre wrestler when this was not a time, you know, I think it like early 90s, right? Something like that, where this was like heavily accepted in this like kind of macho wrestling world, right? And, um, you know, so we're like watching this film because like, you know, it is impressive to be out and proud when nobody around you. And his whole thing was that, you know, these exoticos were always to lose. They were always the, um, what do you guys call them? Like the heel? Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're like not the one the audience wants to favor winning. And like definitely the non-exotico wrestler is always going to like basically beat the shit out of them. <laughs> You know, and this is, like, a really, like, intense thing watching these footages of them, like, you know, calling them gulero and maricón and, like, all these kind of (laughs) words for faggot, you know, in Spanish. And, like, but, like, he, like, embodies it and, like, you know, he, like, uses it as fuel to, like, fuel himself to success, you know, kind of. And becomes, like, I mean, he's still alive. I shouldn't talk about him in the past tense, but for... (laughs) You know, becomes pretty fa- famous, you know, and he's from El Paso, which is like right around the corner from Albuquerque, basically. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, the Southwest is so freaking big. So eight hours away is around the corner here. <laughs> but um, so, you know, like one watched it and, you know, I have to say, like, you know, there's there's an element of it of where, you know, he has this very, you know, DL relationship. Um with you know this other wrestler and you know this theme has like you know comes up in a lot of movies but what i loved about you know him is that he demands you know he's like you i want you to be with me be with me and guys like married with kids and stuff and like you know he's basically like no i'm not gonna do that so you know he fucking moves on basically you know um but like The whole reason I'm bringing this up is we've had such, like, a hot button lately. And, you know, Gabrielle, he loves to play queer characters. And he's not queer. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Bad Bunny loves to, like, flaunt his allyship, but he's not queer. (laughs) I mean, not explicitly so. I mean, they can all play their Harry Style word games right now. But, like, until you, like, express that you are a part of the community, you're not a part of the community. (laughs) Sure, sure. That's the I do love a person with the platform of Bad Bunny being an openly uh, an open ally of course um because you know bad bunny is like the taylor swift of of <laughs> you know the world as far as his influence is insane right and they're so the number is, one and two most streamed on spotify so that right kinda... <laughs> so it, it's beautiful to to have somebody with such influence you know how, absolutely how, the the queer community in general, but I do understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Well, you know, cause the question always comes and like, you know, you certainly understand, um, uh, what's, what's the, what's the gentleman's name from pose. Oh, actually, I think they're not gentlemen anymore. They're they, um, but his critique of like Harry Styles and like the queer baiting, like it's a Billy Porter, of course. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, but there's this, like, also ferocious gatekeeping happening from, like, a slightly older generation, you know, that's, like, definitely, I understand where it's coming from. We don't want people queer baiting to take our 
queer dollars. But we, again, just referencing to our previous conversation, we don't seem to do a lot of research about who owns the bars that we're putting thousands and thousands of dollars into. (laughs) But we have a particular anxiousness about, like, who, like, expresses solidarity with the community to earn music stream dollars. (laughs) Like, (laughs) which they probably overall aren't earning a huge amount to really impact their career that much. So, you know, I, I, I like what you said about it is important that a Bad Bunny or an Ariana Grande, Grande, whatever her name is, <sighs> maybe not mention her because she's problematic in other ways, but they are definitely <laughs> lovers of the queer community. You know, they, they are, you know, use their platforms and support often, which is a good thing. But when we play that whole game of are they, aren't they, and then nobody is confirming are they, aren't they, it does start feeling a little queer baity, (laughs) you know? And that, like, I get it. There would probably be still, even in this day and age, some professional repercussions for you if you are and you came out. You know, I'm not going to deny that the world isn't a fucked up mean place for sure. But I definitely always want to see us be careful. And and to the point of the Cassandra movie, did we not have enough queer Latinos to be in this movie? <laughs> true. You know, and, Very true. and I, I'll make the same critique. Amol Vidar, who Gabrielle has played queer for in his movies before too, famous Spanish director, like a queer, openly queer Spanish director, um, also loves to put heterosexual men in his very heavily coveted roles. Antonio Banderas has been in almost every one of this man's movies. But most recently, this gay cowboy short thing is Ethan Hawke and... Um, oh God, he's in everything now. Uh, Pedro Pascal, right? Playing queer. And apparently the movie's great and they did a lovely job. And again, love the allyship. But do you need to take our roles in movies? <laughs> I, I know this is a tricky subject in conversation, but like given the history and the like kind of whole idea of drama and queer folk and like, you know, <laughs> we're often writing these things and like scoring the music and like, like, can we not act in roles about us? Like, you know, and I no, I, I agree. I mean, if there's truly <clears throat> no one to fill the shoes of the role, or if, say, somebody looks remarkably and strikingly like, say, a, a famous person that they're trying to portray, I understand in those cases. But honestly, in my opinion, I think it's bullshit. I think trans people should play trans people. Mm-hmm. I think gay people should play gay people i just think that it doesn't yeah i mean we we aren't in shakespeare days anymore like men do not like have to put on wigs and play the women's roles right right exactly yeah agreed i mean and and it's tough like because i get it on some some point they're probably saying well if we really want anybody to watch this movie we need to put some like name recognition. But if you're never putting queer folks in these roles, they're never going to get name. Like, how do they get to like aspire to name recognition? So they are the, like the ones that are in these roles. Like who is, who is, who do you think is the most famous gay or lesbian out actor 
right now? Like, I don't know. Who's that guy who was in Nine Perfect Strangers? Who's in something else? Like, uh, like I, I'm always thinking Tom Hollandish, but his, it's not Tom. <laughs> I just added Tom Holland. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, uh, Luke Evans, right? Luke Evans is like now like getting cast in like every gay white male role, right? And and I would say he has like name recognition but like then it falls into like uh dominance you know like uh who was the one a few years ago who was in my best friend's wedding uh that guy was playing queer in like every movie and of course they're always like white queer actors too that are like rising oh rupert everett of course <laughs> how could i forget rupert everett um <laughs> You know, and I mean, I say all that to say, like, look, give, you know, give people a chance, like a good acting role, like with like good studio support for a, you know, non-name actor. You know, I think, you know, if you are fortunate enough to have like Apple TV or whatever, like they're doing a lot of interesting, really well written shows, really well invested shows with barely known actors and they are getting critical reception <laughs> you know like right. if you're hiring the right people for the job they, they don't need to have like ethan hawk in their name necessarily so true that's just my, no, I, I agree with that type. i think that's a that's pretty obnoxious honestly and i think that there's plenty of people out there that can portray those and and you know i understand when people are like well, that's the point of acting. You can act, but it's like, but there's so many people that are waiting for their big break or waiting for yeah. their opportunity that fill that role far better. And why not pay homage to the characters that they're portraying by yeah. being the thing that they're portraying? I don't know. It just seems no, and more obnoxiously, let's stop calling them brave. That's it. Like, not only are you like a slap in the face casting like a heterosexual identifying actor in these roles, then you're calling them brave for portraying that. Are we really right, still yeah. in that on fucking time. era where like, you know, it's brave to have an on-screen same-sex kiss? Fuck you. It's so overdone. It's not brave. It, that's when I will say it's acting. You're a pretty shit fucking poor actor if it requires bravery for you to pull this off. Right, I agree. <laughs> Brave is like not wearing makeup in films when you're like 70 years old. <laughs> that shit, I am always like kudos, like because we know how dressed up Hollywood is. And anytime I see an actor and actress in a role at like portraying their real age and looking their real age, I'm like, fuck yeah, because we know how harsh that fucking world is for that kind of stuff. Um, Amen. Who would you, if there was a biopic that was going to be done about you and me, who would you want for the role of you? Of me? Uh-huh. Ugh, I don't know. First of all, I don't know actors and actresses' names. Just never been Fair a thing enough. that retained in my head aside from, like, ten of them. Um, but honestly... <sighs> No idea. I don't think anybody looks like me. I think I have a very particular look. Um, 
I just I just had a suggestion from the the audience pool of Helena Bonham Carter, which I think would actually be like a wonderful selection. Who the fuck is that? This is what I mean. Oh, her. Yeah, from the who's that director she used to be married to? Um, the one who does. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at her now. I don't. I that that would almost be a compliment, but she's like 20 years older than me. So. Well, yeah, she'd be too old by the time our biopic came out. That is very true. Well, no, she's too old now. Good point. She's already too old. Christ, I'm not 60. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> we have to get you back tapped into pop culture. We got to figure this out. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anybody that actually looks like me, but like, let me see. Hold on. I, there's so many people that I don't know the fucking names of. <laughs> oh, I was going to say like Monica Bellucci, who's older than the other one. So never mind. <laughs> see, see, it's so hard. yeah i have no i don't i don't know names but i also don't i beats me because the problem is that like there's not a lot of actresses out there that that look like me because like you know my look is very much like i'm i would be cast as like the comedy person because of my big nose and my weird shape and you know like it's so it's not really like a thing. Okay. I can't really so, put my... so let's take out like looks. Is there any like bisexual actresses, regardless of looks, who you would like want to play you? Um, Megan Fox. Megan Fox, I love you. <laughs> Hell to the fucking yes, <laughs> absolutely. I know. So I was like struggling to try to figure out like like who who it would be for me like and then like i was like oh like look at my queer actor choices like so i i don't know if they're they're you know is somebody i mean no i can't think i guess lady gaga could work for me because she has a similar Uh. nose to mine but (laughs) that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah i was like trying to think of somebody like like Jesus-y looking and queer and I couldn't like I couldn't come up with anybody so you know somebody can make a recommendation <laughs> and no nobody's allowed to like make the Russell Brand comparison anymore especially not with like the deep doo-doo shit he's in I don't want to hear that like reference I've never thought of him and thought of you in the same like that's never been well I've also heard hold on there's like hold on there's such a, there is a totally an actor that looks like you but I don't think he's gay and I can't remember his fucking name hold on let me see if I can try to fucking google it yeah another one I'm not fond of is like Chris Rock or not Chris Rock no fuck yeah Chris no. Rock, <laughs> Chris Rock. <laughs> that would be crazy if people compared me to Chris Rock <laughs> Um, I meant to say Kid Rock, <laughs> who is also an equally insulting comparison. So fuck off with that one. And I think when I had short hair, I heard Tom Green before. Also fuck off. So oh god, yeah, no, I know. I think people just think of like tall, like people with like you know slightly prominent noses, and then they throw like weird names out. 
Like if Chris Rock were or Chris Rock, I keep saying that. If Kid <laughs> Rock, I already like Chris Rock. I would love to be compared to Chris Rock, but that's not gonna happen. Um, because I think he's an Aquarius as well. Yeah, Chris Rock is also an Aquarius. But Kid Rock, if he had better politics, I wouldn't mind like the comparison so much. But... Oh god, nothing like him. He's so gross. No. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Oh shit, Betty. Shit. So there is definitely I will we'll have to revisit it. There is definitely an actor that looks like you when he has long hair and I can't fucking put my finger on it. <sighs> I have the worst memory with names when I Oh, I mean like I that, do but. too. Like most of the time I start describing it and then like my signif other like will pull up the name for me because they know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of partner you want to get in your life. I'm thinking of, and you'll have to say two words and they figure it out for you. So, um, I feel like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Oh, you know what? Christian Bale with long hair could definitely pull it off. Oh, Christian Bale. I like that one. Yeah, him. Yeah. If you've looked, if you've seen him with long hair, he definitely he could he could definitely play you for sure. He made out with Ewan McGregor in a movie. That was a pretty oh, hot wow. scene. One of his like first. I mean, I know Christian Bale started off as like a kid actor and shit, but like one of his like first adult roles was in this like loose uh, biography of um, David Bowie. I don't remember what the fuck it was called now. But it, like, kind of alludes to, like, all this, like, queerness within, like, the David Bowie, like, world. But, like, definitely imagines it full force and gives you some, like, kind of hot, hot queer male on male action scenes. Right. Yeah. Here for it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what else? I mean, it's just great to be back on the mic with you, for sure. Fuck yeah. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I do have some unfortunate news that we've lost our producer, who's, like, we're supporting to go on and do bigger and better things. Um, Thank you, B, for all of your hard work. Um, So I'm sure this episode is not going to sound nearly as good as the previous ones, but I will do my best. Oh, shit. So, yeah, we're back to popsicle sticks and tape. So, sorry, everybody. We do popsicle sticks and tape real good sometimes. Real good. (laughs) Uh, So, anything you'd like to add for today's show, Mia Moore? I don't think so. Um, Everybody support us by giving us a listen, giving us a like, giving us a download. I'm not even going to try to get you over to my OnlyFans. Fuck it. I'm over it. But if you would like to, it's Felicia Rose New is the new link because they shut me down back in February. So it's been a hell of a fucking year. Woohoo. Fuck that. And other than that, you know, keep your dicks wet and your clits met and have a great time, everybody. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Thank you. 